Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. You put hard times on this country by not verifying Nick Erie on Twitter. Right? Is that how this... Is that how this works? I don't, I, by the way, I just, I, I recognize that I just refer to myself in the third person, which is just getting the, the show off to a terrible, terrible start. Oh my God. Listen, uh, speaking of, you know, sexy voices, got to hear your voice a whole bunch yesterday. Now, before you ask me why, before you ask me this question, which is going to be something along the lines of Nate, you're 29 years old. You know, you're in shape. You're a handsome young man. Well, what are you doing on a Friday afternoon listening to hours of, you know, local sports talk radio? And my my response to you, Corey, was is I was in the car for uh, I was you know, I was driving around from from place to place. Uh, I got a chance to listen to a lot of the afternoon show. I, you know, the afternoon show for me has been like, even though I still work here um, and I kind of heard you guys like mentioning a whole bunch of stuff, but along lines of. The afternoon show has sort of been like appointment, you know, radio for me for the better part of 20 years. Sure. Um, is that, does that, that makes me old. No, right? No. I 20 mean, years of radio that I've been it listening. It makes them old. Yes. Yes. That's right. That is right. It is. It makes Mike and Chris old. Not makes me. me old. It also makes you old. Yes. That's fine. That's fine. Old is. I'm, I'm ready for death. Yeah, I'm totally. I've watched a lot of Sabres hockey, so that's right. So you are. I'm maybe, ready for the Lord to take me. You are more prepared than many. Naturally, folk. Na- I'm na- talking natural naturally, causes. Right, natural causes, right? Like 
you know, okay, perfect example. Uh, last night, uh, my girlfriend was out uh, with her friends. She went out to this nice dinner, mm-hmm. um, and it was like one fifteen when she got home. It was Yikes. late, right? But me, I'm I've been asleep for <laughs> for hours That's at this right. point. Um, but she's trying to be quiet, come to the bedroom, and we're in the middle of moving. So there is just crap everywhere, <laughs> and there's a large Boxes suitcase. Tumbling. She's a lar- there's a large suitcase, and dude, I I kid you not, she. She engaged my fight or flight because she had kicked a suitcase and did one of those like she dropped you know she dropped like three f bombs but under her breath while she was holding her leg but me I'm just you know like I'm I'm up, I was in a dead sleep yep. but dude I was ready to defend my family's honor uh, I was I was ready to find my cat and make sure that no one you know was trying to box out people don't touch <laughs> my cat. Um, yeah, I have no idea where the beginning of the show is going, but that's that's part of why you know you want to listen to a show like this on a Saturday morning. Correct. Who wants who wants nuance? Who wants you know preparation? Those are not the sort no. of things that you do it's on too, a weekend. You let the weekend come to you. It's too early. To way too early. Think about things. Way too early. Uh, by the way, um, so I have this problem. And I talked about it last week. It's with donuts. I have oh. this donut problem. Okay. And now I, I ate more donuts this morning. In fact, not only did I eat more donuts, Corey, I woke up early. You put it on your calendar. I, I put it on the I woke up early so that I could get there to make sure that I would have time to go back home right. after getting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this morning was a homemade fluff infused s'more donut. My God. No. I mean, listen, I'm worried about you. This me, is- I'm worried about me too. Listen, I'm stressed. I, I'm moving. This is the time where, and it's not like I do it every, well, I don't do it every day, but I would say like, you know, every third day or so. You better get a votive candle and start praying to St. Wilfred Brimley if you're going to start getting some help with the diabetes you are absolutely going to get with your di- with your donut habit. This is, I mean, it's not great. I I, I generally eat pretty healthy outside of the donuts. Sure. And yeah, ice sure. cream. I, sure. I forgot about the ice cream. Yeah. But you know what? I've eaten less ice cream this summer than maybe ever before. Um, usually, like, my girlfriend and I, we really, like, we're big custard people. Like, just love custard. Just, listen, I, you get the one thing you got to know by a huge custard guy. Huge custard guy. Top of the line on your LinkedIn profile. And I do weird stuff. Like, you go to a place, and they'll be like, today we're featuring the salted caramel custard. And I'm like, okay, great. Can I get the largest size you have of vanilla on a sugar cone, please? Absolutely. Disgusting. And then you have, like, this, you know, thing that nobody could eat on time before it completely melts down, except for me. And I've I've been at a certain You're the man versus food guy. I've You're been at up. a local custard establishment before and have had people watch me there get the large and like I was like, Yeah, I'll have the large vanilla and the guy behind me was like, The large? Excuse me. You got the large? And I'm like, Yeah, I got the large. <laughs> and he's like, I, I've never seen anyone eat it without it melting first. I was like, Well, you're about to learn today, my friend. Like you are stick around, gorgeous. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stick around, gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, I've, I ice cream is one of those things where regardless of how much food or dinner, lunch, breakfast has been consumed, I have a second and completely empty bottomless pit stomach for ice cream. I could eat I, – I don't know. I've never entered into the – because they usually have like – is that the ice cream fest that they used to have at the um, – or was that was that part of the chicken wing fest? No, there there used to be a big festival at Salem's Field. 
where they would do an ice cream eating contest. They would have ice cream vendors from across the county. They'd come together, and you'd go through, and you'd try all all of the different custards and all the different... It was a great situation. It was pre-COVID times. You wouldn't understand. Sure. Um, Every year, I see those rubes. I see these (laughs) amateurs in in the ice cream eating contest, and I always look to... I'm like, why... Why don't I do that? Because they're all, they're eating like vanilla. Here's the thing. There there does come a stop point, like if I'm eating a blizzard or whatever your local establishment's version of the blizzard, Arctic swirls, uh, whatever you want to sure. call them. Sure. The problem with those is I'll get the large, mm-hmm. but I will feel poorly about myself afterwards because not only are you eating 24 ounces of ice cream, but you're also eating roughly... 15 candy bars correct because like if you ever i get the reese peanut butter cup one every time reese peanut butter cup arctic swirl blizzard whatever you want to call that's that is my go-to outside of just the plain Mm -hmm. vanilla cone and you realize as you're spooning these you know just massive bites of ice cream with you know reese peanut butter cup infusion inside you get to the point where like i've halfway through this and every single time i have a chunk that's roughly one-fifth the size of a full-size yeah. Reese cup. Uh-huh. How many Reese cups am I eating? Uh, it, it, there's probably, I would say, like one or two complete Reese's cups. One or two. Yeah, I don't think it's more than that. Dude, I think it's way more than that. Mm. I would say I I I have had ones where I was like, well, there I mean, are five Reese cups. Are in you there. on a first name basis with the person behind no, the counter? No, not then that they're place. probably throwing in a little bit extra. Sure. No, I I generally think you know when when you are scooping into the tipping? pre-crushed. I should I start tipping the people behind I, the counter? At the I wonder. Counter? I, I th- those are questions I'll have to start asking myself as I watch. See, I think you have to watch. You have to watch them create it. If they're giving you that, like, I'm going to get Bruce around. on the phone, and you can ask him. This I, I will ask Bruce. I feel like Bruce is maybe the one person in all of America that could support my ice cream eating habit. And I'm also interested. Listen, so Bruce. Um, by the way, I'm not giving out too much information here. Um, I will not. I will not disclose the location of which uh, Bruce will be visiting today. But Bruce is coming to visit me. He's bringing me some boxes because he is. A absolute patriarch, uh, just a saint. And uh, Bruce is actually in the middle of moving himself. So he is being kind. He's driving to Buffalo all the way from, from Ohio to bring me some uh, some of his extra boxes to use for my move. And I am introducing him and his wife to Buffalo you know, uh, cup and char pizza today. Uh, but again, I will not disclose the location. Uh, and, you know, you, I will be wearing two masks so nobody can actually see me so that we remain. And there is no FBI, Bruce. By the way, the FBI does not follow me. Um, you, your, your identity is safe. Um, but before we go into the pizza thing that we're going to get into today, I'm not sure if you were listening um, at the start of the show, but there's been a very large conversation around ice cream this morning, and I'm a bit of an ice cream guy, um, and I'm wondering your take, if, if you, I don't know, what, what is, before I even ask your take, what is your general consensus when you go to, let's say, you know, your local ice cream establishment? Are you just getting a cone, a twist? Are you a, are you a flat vanilla guy like me? Do you go with like the Arctic swirl with the candy bar pieces? Like what? What is your what is your sort of safe zone, so to speak, with with custard slash ice cream? The first time that I go to any new food establishment, I feel like I have to establish a baseline. So the first time I go to a brand new pizza place, I'll get cheese or pepperoni. The first time I go to a new ice cream place, I got to make sure I go standard. I have to have a baseline by which everything else can be built. Sure. So standard vanilla, standard chocolate. And then once I'm introduced to the quality of the product, Mm. 
at, it, at its base level, then the more times I go back, the more you know crazy I can start to get. So you've got this whole process, and uh, it's a process I appreciate because I think there's uh, okay. How about this though? Now soft serve versus custard. Are you a are you a custard guy? Or are you more of a soft serve fiend? I am more of a custard guy. Yes. If you held a gun to my head and sure. made me choose, I would pick custard. I'm not opposed to soft serve, but in the if the choice is being forced to be made on me, I will take custard over soft serve. Yes. I think I'm with you in that, and I think it's really important for me when I go to a place, especially for the first time. The problem is, Bruce, uh, in western New York, there is not a place that serves custard that I have not been to, so I've got a pretty good foundation for, of understanding of flavor profiles. So the thing that I'm, Corey and I are in the process of discussing here is how many, let's say you get a large Arctic swirl, like how, what is the standard number of total Reese cups or you know Snickers bars are actually included when you're eating that? Because I am of the impression that it's at least three four and in some cases five full Reese cups inside and then you're just you're getting to a point where not only are you eating 24 ounces of, of custard but you're also eating upwards of four Reese cups and that's really where I think I start to question my my own self-conscious you know absolutely and I think that you don't really start to notice it until you start to like do things where you count calories in an app or you're counting macros or things and you go to plug in a standard Arctic glass or a, a standard cone and thing. And then you, you kind of juxtapose that with the standard cone with the Reese's and you're like, Oh, 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 is that what I just ate? <laughs> and you realize you didn't actually have one dessert. You have. Yes. And that's and that's sort of the conundrum you get to, especially when, uh, as Corey would put it, I'm I'm headed right down Diabetes Avenue. Um, so yeah, as as an ice cream connoisseur of myself, um, do do you feel like me that there's a almost like a secondary phase to your appetite where, regardless of the amount of dinner or fullness you feel, that there is always that additional room for ice cream. Or Because my girlfriend is not this way. If she's really full and I'm like, hey, let's go get some custard, she will give me this reluctant look. Now, she, she goes with me. She doesn't not come with me, but she'll get the baby cone. I will still go after the full-size large cone because I'm a savage, but like, you have, do you also have this? I, I don't want to call it an issue. I think I'd call it a personality trait. Well, I think the science has been settled. I do believe there's a separate compartment in the human body that is specifically reserved for a dessert and is not filled up previously by your eating of the meal. So I, I think that's, that's pretty obvious to me anyway. And I, I think that a lot of it comes from I'm full of that of, Yes, that's and right. That, that, that's the fullness thing we need to understand. Of, I'm full of that thing. I'm tired of that thing. And if there's a complementary flavor, if, there's, if you're looking at flavors like a profile like a wheel, if there's an opposite side of the wheel, so if I had something salty for dinner, I, I still have something sweet at that point. So I'm full of that side of the wheel. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a complimentary flavor on the opposite side of the wheel that I could still not find room to you know, consume. Corey, do you see why I bring on Buffalo Rumblings, Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan on the Western Hotline? Do you see why I do it? I mean, it, I, this all, it all checks out. I don't know if you're going to find this in like nature or science or some kind of medical field. Uh, uh, medical research. studies yeah. and research. I'm uh, not going to read an abstract about the ice cream pouch that all humans have the in their ice stomach. ice cream pouch. See, you've taken it to a weird level. I would never have called it a pouch. What, science? Is that the weird uh, level I've taken it to? I, I, well, I, any, anytime you, you use something to describe something as a pouch, I feel turned off on it. So it's definitely not an ice cream pouch. 
but I'm not sure what we'll call it. We'll a chamber? It you a ch- wanna... Okay, an ice cream chamber. That that sounds more scientific than pouch. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, Bruce, before uh, before you and I start to talk about sports, which this show is supposed to be about, um, have you done your research on the cup and char? Um, are you? I guess the question is, how excited are you to consume buffalo pizza? And more so, how is your significant other? What have you guys done in preparation for today? Okay, so I've had buffalo pizza before. I had imperial pizza. Okay, okay. Stop. Let me tell you though, Bruce. Familiar, Bruce. Imperial is sort of a different. I don't know. It's sort of a different category of buffalo pizza. So I'm glad that I'm going to be introducing you to a new category of buffalo pizza today. I'm excited about that as well. I I, I do think that, as I mentioned previously, when you go to a new place for the first time, you got to go standard. And given the fact that standard is something that is synonymous with the style of buffalo pizza, being the cup and char pepperoni, then I'm pretty excited about that. My wife is very excited, mostly because my wife is a pizza fiend. Okay. So it's very it's very get the. Pizza, I like pizza. Pizza is not my favorite food, but it is something that's, that's high on the list. For my wife, pizza is something she could very easily consume four times a week. Yes. So if it's the right type of pizza, you will know because Mrs. Nolan will put the stamp of rule. In preparation, we actually had um, a pizza sub Ooh. last night, and then last weekend we made our own pizza. So we, we've been kind of sort of – Hovering around the top, preparing right? We've the been palette, skirting the edges. Exactly. Yeah, right. We've been skirting the edges of the palette as it relates to pizza, and and I'm really excited to dive in. So if she, you know, since she hasn't really experienced buffalo pizza, does she have a preference for like? Is she like a Detroit deep dish gal? Is she is Chicago deep dish gal, New York thin style. Like, does she have sort of like? This is my comfort zone, and Buffalo Pizza is going to ask me to sort of move out of that comfort zone. She's never had Detroit-style pizza, and she doesn't particularly care for Chicago deep dish okay. pizza. As a general rule, you know, standard hand-tossed stuff is normally good. If it's a really crispy thin crust, she'll go for a crispy thin crust. But the problem with thin crust is sometimes it gets really, like, rubbery, you know, and yep. soggy. Yep. And then she's just completely turned off. If it's a thin crust and it's crispy like a cracker, then she's good with it. But and so I think that there's a possibility, given her, her general leaning toward traditional hand toss, that if the buffalo pizza is executed well, it could be up her alley. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm, I, I, listen, you, you gave me about two weeks, and I went right up to the buzzer on trying to figure out where I thought the most appropriate place to bring you guys were. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, um, and uh, more more so I'm looking forward to after you leave and you post some pictures on all of the, oh my god, that's where you went, You there's so many other places, you know, like just everyone telling you how wrong we were for, for choosing that joint. So I'm really looking forward to the public discourse on it all. Well, you know, if there are no pizza hipsters, are there really any pizza fans at all? No, there's uh, so not. So I, I, I fully expect it. I, I, I fully expect it. I embrace it. It's the same way with garbage plates. When I had a garbage plate and I said I didn't enjoy it, the first response was, well, then you must not have had it. Right. That's right. Yeah, I, that's, that's right. That's obviously the, the garbage plate hipsters. 
out there. So I'm, I fully expect to see some pizza hipsters on my timeline this afternoon slash evening. All right, uh, Bruce Nolan, the Bruce Exclusive Podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. He's joining me here on the Western Hotline. We we had some food that we had to get out of the way. Now we're going to talk a little ball. Um, so, Bruce, the, I, I've got Brooke Pryor of ESPN. She covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. She's immediately following you here on the guest list this morning for Sports Talk Saturday. We're going to really dive deep um, into the Steelers offseason, uh, but they made roster moves this week. They 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 cut, you know, maybe one of the best offensive linemen in franchise history, and that's a, a very deep um, franchise in terms of offensive linemen and David DeCastro, and they immediately go out to get Trey Turner. Um, your overall thoughts, I mean, this is a week one opponent. Um, I don't, I know where I stand on Pittsburgh, but like, what is your outlook? look for them for 2021 considering how good that division is i'm i'm a little worried if i'm a steelers fan i think that there's a chance that mike tomlin has historically shown to be able to do amazing things with lack of reasonable quarterback play in 2019 very famously i think he made one of the best coaching years i've seen in recent memory because he was able to limp that team along with quarterbacks like duck hodges however I don't look at the Steelers and understand exactly what it is that they think they're doing right now in this part of their franchise's life cycle. Do they think that this one last hurrah for Big Ben, do they think this is a Super Bowl championship team right now? Because when you go out and you draft Najee Harris in the first round and the tight end in the second round, it feels like you think you're in win-now mode. But when you look at the roster, you look at the offensive line, you look at how Big Ben performed last year, you look at the way this team is structured, you don't necessarily know if they're in a championship window. So I wish if I could get some truth serum in Mm. Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, I wish that they could tell me, where do you really think you're at right now? Do you think you're in a Super Bowl window? Or is this a, you know what, we're going to let Big Ben kind of play out the string, and then we're just going to see where we're at. I know they signed Mason Rudolph to a one-year extension, so they'll have kind of that overlap where Ben Roethlisberger, if he decides he's, he's out, after this particular year, they will at least have somebody under contract. But if they're good enough where they're not picking in the top 10, but they're bad enough that they don't make the playoffs, is it possible we think it's for Steelers in that quarterback purgatory scenario where they haven't been in a really long time? So it's going to be one of the most fascinating franchises to me over the next 12 to 18 calendar months is the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's such an interesting... I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. Sort of take with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Bruce. I there is in the back of my mind a feeling like, wow, what a great Week One matchup, especially at home. The fans back in the stands in a really consequential year. Like, what a great Week One opponent. It should be a great game. And then part of me is like, I think the Bills should win by upwards of two touchdowns in that game. And it's it's a weird place to be on an organization that, for the better part of what four decades, um, has just been this mainstay in the NFL. And and they, you know, one era to the next to the next. Um, in particular, the Ben Roethlisberger era. It seems like. You know, 
how about this? This is very anti-Patriots of the Steelers. And what I mean by that is th- what the Patriots, Bruce, have been so good at is sort of moving on from players a year or two before their real decline. And really, for the better part of three years now, the Steelers have just been hanging on to declining talent. And and Ben Roethlisberger is, I think, obviously the, the, the peak of that mountain. But, you know, the David DeCastros, the, you look on the defensive side of the ball, Joe Hayden, right? Like these guys that really I don't really think have it anymore or are close to not having anymore they're sort of doubling and in some cases in the Ben Roethlisberger situation tripling down and I just don't know that that there's a really good self-evaluation happening in Pittsburgh to help them understand like hey like we just aren't in this window anymore or if we are and Big Ben this is the big the last run for Big Ben I don't really like what they've done to surround him with talent the thing that's going to be fascinating for me about the future of the Steelers is that historically, the reason that they've been able to maintain this is because they got two things right. Number one, they got the quarterback right. And number two, they drafted well. And so I think that when you don't have the quarterback right, which I think we can pretty much agree that Ben Roethlisberger at this point is not an elite, upper-tier, you know, stellar, carry-the-franchise-level quarterback anymore. But even if he moves on next year and you have Mason Rudolph, who I don't think is going to be that level of quarterback – then you have to draft even better. And we've seen some slight modifications in the historic Steeler method of drafting. They famously traded all the way up to 10 overall to draft Devin Bush. And that was shocking. Mm-hmm. Now, you may think that they, they did it because they had an injury there that was really significant. They wanted to make sure you filled that hole. But you started to see a little departure from the Pittsburgh Steelers in the way they historically do things. They've historically been a, I am going to sit and let the board come to be team. So now, with it's been so long since we've seen that Steelers need to draft so well to accommodate for a quarterback that wasn't elite that it's going to be fascinating to see if that puts pressure on them and starts to manipulate what we historically have thought of as the Steeler way. And so, like I said, going to be absolutely fascinating. I agree with you that this is a team that the Bills should beat week one, but it's also going to be fascinating to see what the new offense looks like yeah. in Pittsburgh because one of the things we're not talking about is that offense is probably going to look a little different this year. Is, is you know, the, the Ben Roethlisberger 2.3 seconds to throw, you know, getting the ball out quick, make sure you can mitigate any of that pressure. If you're defensive line, you got to get your hands up. Is that going to be a thing that we're going to see again because Roethlisberger's arm is shot? Or are we going to see a different way to manipulate that? Lots of bubble screens, RPOs, getting the ball out quickly that way. Like, what is it going to look like? So that's another reason it's going to be fascinating. Bruce, uh, last thing before I let you go. Um, I, I was having a conversation yesterday with Marcel-Louis Jacques about um, Zach Ertz again, right? And um, the I guess we at this point we could call it a conundrum because it just feels like Howie Roseman continues to misplay this Zach Ertz hand and has really for the better part of a full like calendar year. Um, what is your overall thought process as we as we as we sort of just inch continue inching closer to training camp? It seems like this is Dawson Knox's year, but do you feel like the Bills maybe haven't hedged properly at the tight end position, or do you believe that hedges Jacob Hollister? Jacob Hollister seems to be a completely reasonable hedge. I don't think that the tight end position is one of those scenarios in the modern NFL where it ever really becomes a massive need for a team because there's so few elite upper-level players at that position. If you have one, if you have a Kittle, if you have a Kelsey, if you have a great tight end, then 
it makes everybody's lives easier. They just don't make a lot of them. So there's yeah. a supply and demand issue. And in the absence of a bevy of those type of players, NFL offenses have designed themselves to be able to be overly and horribly successful without them. You know, the Bills just finished having the most successful offense in franchise history with basically little to no production from the tight end position. And so when you look at that, you go, okay, can you have a great offense without a great quarterback? Eh, probably rare. Can you have a great offense without a great wide receiver? Probably rare. Can you have a great offense without a great tight end? Yes, you absolutely can. So because of it, I never look at the tight end position as being an, a massive overwhelming need. In regards to Zach Ertz, I'd be okay with it. I'm fine with it. I'm not interested in giving up a significant asset for it. I know what Zach Ertz is at this point in his career, right? He's a move-the-six player. He's someone who I think, ironically, would potentially become more important of an acquisition if Cole Beasley actually ends up retiring, as he mentioned on yep. social media as, as an aside, right? If that ended up actually happening, then I think Zach Ertz actually becomes a more important acquisition because of the role he fills, especially on third down, making sure he can move the sticks. But he's not a dynamic down-the-field stretch right. tight end, so he's not giving your offense a massive upgrade in dynamism. So I'm okay getting him. I'm not going to lose sleep if they don't. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm i leaning into the Dawson Knox uh, growth, I guess, right? Like, third year for everyone, I I will die on this point that thir the third year of any player um, in the NFL is really the year you find out if a good player can be an elite player. And oftentimes, the same can be said about average players turning into or, or, or uh, you know, basically, um, you know, replacement-level players turning into good quality starters. That typically will, will present itself in year three, and I think it's a big one for Dawson Knox. Bruce, thanks so much, my friend, for, uh, for jumping on with me. Appreciate it, as always. I will see you shortly and looking forward to uh, to consuming some pizza with you very soon, my friend. See you a little bit, Nate. All right, buddy. Bruce Nolan there of the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I got Brooke Pryor. She is the ESPN NFL Nation beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. She joins us next to preview Bill's Steelers and talk to us a little bit about the 2021 Steelers offseason. That's coming up next here on WGR. Stay connected to our shows and get in on the conversation. Follow us on Twitter at WGR550. All right, gang, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Hanging out with you on this, uh, it's like cloudy, not really great weather, which probably means you're in the car, maybe going to the mall, maybe hanging out today. So thank you for hanging with us, Corey Griswold, Nate Geary, of course, on Sports Talk Saturday. Going back to the Wester Hotline because ESPN's Brooke Pryor joins me now. She covers the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm happy to have her along in the program. Brooke, good morning to you. Thank you so much for, uh, for making time for us over here in Western New York. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I thought that we were going to have a quiet off season, and then uh, no. last week, the the late part of last week, things uh, heated up a little bit here in Pittsburgh. Come on, you know better, especially when you're in an AFC that has some teams at the top that you're chipping away at. The Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of uh, is 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 using the term like identity crisis. Is that is that? too extreme for maybe what's happening it sort of feels like they're watching the Cleveland Browns get better obviously they lost to Cleveland in the playoffs after uh, talking a little bit of trash about you know kind of maybe taking for granted the 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 sort of place that Cleveland has been in that division for the better part of ever um and they're also looking what the Ravens are doing it's like is identity crisis like a fair assessment 
I think so. I mean, that's honestly, that is the exact term that I've used for this team ever since they announced that Ben Roethlisberger was going to come back on this uh, restructured one-year deal. Um, obviously, there's some more years on the back end, but the contract voids after this season. So on the one hand, they want to win one more for Ben. They want Ben to go out, you know, win another Lombardi. But on the other hand, you look at the rest of the team around him, and given the release of David DeCastro this week, it, it only furthers this point that the rest of the team is kind of building for the long haul, but the team wants to win now, but they also want to win in the future, so they're kind of caught between two worlds right now. And DeCastro was really the last piece of this you know, stalwart offensive line that had guys like Marquise Pouncey and Al Villanueva, uh, Ramon Foster, I mean, Marquise Pouncey actually posted on Instagram either last night or this morning um, a picture of all four of those guys mm. and just talking about, you know, what, what legends they were. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. None of them are here now, yet you've still got a 39-year-old quarterback you've yeah. got to protect. You've got to make some holes for this first-round running back that you've invested in. So the Steelers are really, I mean, yes, they brought in Trey Turner. That's a big upgrade on the line, given that there was, a, I mean, pretty much a question mark where David DeCastro, um, where the the spot he was vacating. But it, it's still, I mean, identity crisis is exactly what the Steelers are going through right now. So, Brooke, I mean, obviously a lot of the attention uh, this offseason was sort of focused in on the Steelers draft. You know, what were they going to do in, in the first round? And would that first round pick sort of give a sneak peek into what the team, the organization sort of thought of themselves? And going Najee Harris, I think was basically everyone's mock draft um, selection, but I think there was a faction of, of the media, people that did mock drafts, that sort of left the door open to say like, hey, this team needs offensive line, especially just to keep Big Ben upright. We know he's not the most mobile. I think he's the kind of guy, right, he doesn't even take quarterback sneaks. Like, he's not the guy that wants the ball in his hands more than a couple of seconds. He wants to throw the ball quickly and and sort of be a facilitator for some of the playmakers around him. So the fact that they go running back, does it feel to you, especially the style of player that Harris is, are you getting the feeling that they're maybe trying to sort of recreate the, I don't know, the the running back out of the backfield pass catcher that they had before Le'Veon Bell sort of moved on and ultimately, you know, kind of that was sort of the end of his career. But like, are you, do you, are, are you envisioning maybe some more of that feel where, where Ben is really utilizing the running back position in the passing game like he did when Le'Veon Bell was around? Yeah, I think that's exactly what they want to do. And you're right. I mean, I think every single mock draft I saw had Najee Harris going to the Steelers, and then I think it caused some of us to overthink it. Like, there's no way this team is going to pick the exact person that we're all mocking to them. And so they're like, well, maybe they will go O-line. Maybe this is just a lot of misdirection. But I mean, this team has been so vocal about needing to rejuvenate the run game. I mean, they started saying it two years ago after James Conner spent most of the season hurt and was just ineffective. This last year, more of the same from him. He just he peaks early in the season, and then it was just kind of a downhill ride from there. And the offense as a whole, you can tell, is just not as good when the run game isn't going. They get very one-dimensional, and they get very predictable. And the last two off-seasons, the charge – from both Art Rooney II, from GM Kevin Colbert, from Mike Tomlin, from all of the decision-makers has been, we need a better run game. This is our commitment. And drafting Najee was their first chance to really show their commitment to that commitment. Um, And I think that, yeah, they like what he can do out of the backfield. They're going to line him up wide. I mean, he is the kind of Swiss Army knife 
that this offense needs, especially if they're going to try to to win now with Ben and win in the future. I mean, this is the guy, you know, not not to put too much on his shoulders, but this is the guy that can kind of bridge this identity crisis that will do everything he can to help them win now, but should also be a piece for the long-term future and health of this organization. Speaking of the future and long-term health of the organization, I think a, a big part of that, Brooke, is going to be the next contract for T.J. Watt. Obviously, you know, Bud Dupree, who, um, you know, the the organization drafted, but then, you know, let walk this offseason, he gets... Go- I, I I'm a bit I like Bud Dupree, but I think he was he was massively overpaid on the on the free agent market. But that is just generally the culture of the NFL. If you make it to free agency and you are close or at top of your position, particularly one with the value of pass rusher, you tend to get overpaid. So at, at overpayment, but I, the production was there on the field for Bud Dupree. Where do you stand on the Steelers' sort of future on signing T.J. Watt to what I would? probably assume is going to be maybe the highest ever or close to the highest ever for a defensive player when 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 they ultimately come to a deal right I mean at this point it's it has to happen again for the long-term success of this organization he is a cornerstone piece of this defense I really think it's going to revolve around him uh, and the pass rush and the Minka Fitzpatrick and the secondary those are two guys that you can build a really strong defense for a long time around and T.J. Watt is the kind of guy that you don't have to worry when he's missing OTAs or or anything like that because you know he's at home in Wisconsin or wherever he is. He's working really, really hard. This is a guy that you build a team around. And I actually asked him, I was like, well, what what is the status of your contract situation? And he kind of smiled and he was like, I'm I'm not going to talk about that right now. You know, I'm out of respect for the process. I'm not going to say anything. But the little smirk Hmm. that he gave before he answered, A, told me he knew exactly that that question was coming, and B, that he's not going to be left out high and dry. I mean, the Steelers are not going to let their top two pass rushers walk in, you know, in in close seasons there. I mean, Bud Dupree was always going to be a luxury to bring back, especially because they drafted Alex Highsmith. But T.J. Watt is the guy that that just makes everything go. You love his energy, his hustle, his work ethic. He sets the tone for the rest of that defense. And if this extension had to come a year ago, I I would maybe not be so sure about it because of their cap situation right now with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, they have so much money tied up in older guys right now that that problem is solved after the season. When Ben Roethlisberger comes off the books, they've got plenty of cap space. That's plenty of of resources to dedicate to T.J. Watt, and I think that that's an investment they're going to feel good about and one that they are very comfortable making. So, Brooke, I want to kind of rewind a little bit to, I think, a part of the conversation that maybe gets re-brought up here with where you were going with the T.J. Watt contract, which is the quarterback position. And I think in the NFL right now, there's an argument to be made that if if the hierarchy of position value goes from quarterback, what's the number two? And guys that can get after the quarterback, whether that's pass rush or in some cases maybe even corner nowadays, um, is starting to see that value go up and up and trying to stop some of these offenses and high-caliber quarterbacks. 
the Steelers decided, you know, I, listen, I, I thought it was a mistake for them to not get into the quarterback sweepstakes, particularly with a guy like Justin Fields who was falling in that draft, um, because it, it, you just don't know when you're going to have those kind of opportunities to get quarterbacks, in particular when you're the Steelers who are trying to go for it this year. They have no plans to be drafting in the top 15. It, Big Ben is done after this year, which I I – would unless he just has a renaissance type um, season this year and he reclaims like his 2017 and 18 form and all of a sudden his his career extends two years three years this sort of seems like this is it for Big Ben in the final year and they don't really have anybody to turn to at the quarterback position so if you're TJ Watt what I mean does that sit in the back of your mind at all when you're when you're signing a long-term contract with a team that doesn't have the quarterback position figured out and several other young other players at other important positions also kind of not quite figured out I, I just it's the, between the rock and the hard place that you were kind of talking about these two positions these two realities that they exist in and one of them is if they don't have a quarterback but they've got you know a great pieces around the team with TJ Watt and some of these other players like what do you do if you are a guy like T.J. Watt looking at that? Does that sit in the back of your mind at all? You know, I, if it does, I think it is uh, easier to handle. It's easier to quiet that voice when you look at the payday that they are going to give you. I mean, that amount of money, I, I think that he would be just fine with it. And the Steelers, you, yes, they are about to hit a really rough transition time with the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era, trying to figure out, what comes next at the quarterback position. But this is also a team that hasn't had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. I mean, the Steelers, it's been a long time since we've been in, like, the dark era of the Steelers where things just fall apart and they're not relevant. I don't think that this is an organization that lets that happen. I don't know what kind of magic trick they have to pull to figure out and stabilize the quarterback position. But, you know, I, I agree with you that I was a little bit surprised that, they did not make a play for a quarterback in the second or third round. Um, but I think that they feel like they have figured that out or at least potentially figured it out by bringing in a guy like Dwayne Haskins, mm -hmm. who l potential low-risk, high-reward. I mean, it's a league-minimum deal, only a year. At this point, it, he doesn't even have a guaranteed roster spot. He has to fight you know, with Josh Jobs and Mason Rudolph for that in training camp. But I think that they viewed bringing in Haskins as – uh, as drafting a quarterback as kind of a developmental project. Um, the, the complicating factor with Haskins is while he's saying everything right right now and looks good on the field right now, you're not really going to know how that gamble is going to pay off until later in the season. Maybe if you know Ben goes down for a game and you put him in, like, it, it's going to be a while before you figure out if this is actually sure. a tenable solution. But T.J. Watt is, is a leader on this team. And I think that he has the faith in the Steelers organization that they will figure it out. I mean, this is not a team that's going to turn into the Jets right. overnight. Uh, and I think that he has enough confidence in looking at the pieces around. I mean, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, looking at the, the offensive side on the defensive side, you've got guys like Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick. I think that they have enough pieces that while they kind of figure out the quarterback position – they will be okay. Granted, it's a big piece, but I, I don't think it's anything that would cause T.J. Watt to panic and be like, just kidding, I, I, don't, I don't want your money. No, thank you. I'd like to hit 
free agency. I don't see that happening. Right, and ultimately, Brooke, at the end of the day, he's 26 years old, and he's in his fifth-year option this year, and at the end of the day, the Steelers hold a lot of the cards, and the NFL is like that, where if you have a player like T.J. Watt, the NFL gives you multiple opportunities to try to lock him up long-term, whether they use the franchise tag, the transition tag, there there are options for the Steelers, but it sounds like from you anyways, um, that it doesn't really feel like the Steelers are going to need to pull out those cards. This seems like a, a mutually beneficial situation for the Steelers to lock him up, make him one of the higher paid players in the NFL, and for him to remain in an organization that drafted him and has seen his best days. I think I think from that perspective, it just ma- it makes a lot of sense. I just I view it as, and I think you're right in saying like this is the Steelers. This isn't like the Jets or something. This isn't an organization that it's going to fall apart just because they're you know long time and long time starting quarterback and Super Bowl winning quarterback decides to retire. And I think that's maybe the the fine balancing line that that exists is the organization is in is in the type of place where they sort of have earned that respect particularly with with Watt right yeah exactly I mean I, I think that he I, I think it a benefits him that he has an older brother that's in the yeah. league that kind of sees how things work um, I mean the Watt family as a whole I think is very level-headed I think he is very level-headed from especially from the business perspective and I mean yeah you look at the the Steelers they're not going to let themselves fall off. They're going to devote the resources to TJ Watt, and then they're going to devote the resources to people around him to make sure that this is a competitive team. I think similar in the way that they're doing with Ben Roethlisberger right now in trying to give him some resources around him to be successful by doing things like re-signing Juju to this essentially a one-year deal, drafting Najee Harris. Um, I, I just think that they're going to put their, their players, especially their big-name big payday players in positions to succeed. Yeah, and you know, listen. At the end of the day, uh, by the way, uh, Brooke and I apologize to any New York Jets fans. We're not really, we're not making fun of you. We are not poking fun. Uh, we are just using your organization as example of you know incompetence for a really long time. But having said that, I really like Robert Sala. So you know, let's let's we'll, we'll one compliment for every two uh, pieces of I think you know fun disrespect. Nothing crazy, anyways. Um, Brooke, last thing I have for you is obviously week one. I haven't spoken with you since the. The schedule was, was released. Bills, Steelers, home opener for the Bills. It's going to be the first time in two years and since the Bills had an appearance in the AFC Championship game that fans will be at 100% capacity. Are you, or is it in your travel plans? Are you going to be here in Buffalo? I am crossing every finger, every toe that I will be there because I have I've never been to Buffalo. Um, after a season of not having fans at games and just missing that atmosphere so much, I can't think of a better way to start the season than by going to Buffalo. And I know a lot of Steelers fans would disagree with me on that. I'm, you know, I'm not in it to root for any team or any fan base. I'm in it to enjoy what the fan base presents. And I have a lot of friends who are Bills fans. I have watched a lot of footage of Bills fans at the stadium, at the Mm -hmm. tailgating. I'm here for it. I, I don't know what will happen in the game. I hope that it's more competitive uh, than some of the Bills blowouts that we've seen of the Steelers uh, recently, where the Steelers season has kind of not gone so well after those games. Um, I, I'm really excited. I am 
fingers crossed, I will be there. I'm very glad that it's in September yes. and not December because yes. I don't think I would be hoping as much as I'm hoping to be able to go. I may say, I'll sit this one out. But no, September, I'm there. Yeah, listen, uh, if you need if you need somebody to talk to your manager, uh, Marcel Louis-Jacques and I <laughs> both have your back on this. And listen, if you do end up coming to Buffalo, let Marcel and I know. We will set you up with all of the food places. Uh, Marcel and I have a unofficial food podcast that we've been talking about doing together for the better part of a year now. Um, but I will make sure that you are set up with breakfast, lunch, and dinner Buffalo style. So make sure if you get the word and you get the green light, you hit us up. We'll make sure you're taken care of. I'm there. Whether whether they know it or not. That's right. That's right. There. The, food, the food has sold me. Okay, perfect. That's all, that's all that matters. Brooke, thank you so much for making time on your Saturday. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend and the rest of your summer. And you and I will definitely be talking as, uh, as September creeps closer. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. You're the best. Brooke Pryor there. She is the ESPN NFL Nation beat reporter. She covers the Pittsburgh Steelers there on the Western Hotline. I got two timeouts to get to. Then on the other side, I got the noon hour coming up. I've got Mike Catalana and I've got Joe Yurden coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. Won't want to go anywhere for that here on WGR. All right, let me quickly preview the 12 o'clock hour. I got Mike Catalana. He joins us next. He's the editor for buffaloplus.com. You can also see him on television on 13 Wham and Fox Rochester Sports uh, as well. And then I've got Joe Yurden, uh, who uh, is writing for Die by the Blade, uh, does all sorts of uh, real quirky social media things, including just, you know, having reasonable takes uh, and being a general good guy. So uh, Joe Yurden will join us at 1230. We'll talk about the NHL playoffs. Crazy night last night, Game 7. And crazy for however crazy a one nothing game can be. So we'll talk to him about how great it is that there's going to be two Stanley Cup contenders fighting it out for the final here um, that are going to be in the Sabres division. So that's that's like super duper. All right, timeout, other side. I got Catalana and Yurden coming up here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.